Welcome to the Investing Evolution Podcast with Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz from SunGarden Investment Research. We are an investment firm that takes an alternative approach to the most common investor objectives, preservation, income, and long-term growth. We focus on bottom line outcomes, not what everyone else is doing. In this podcast, we clarify confusing investor issues, bust investment myths, and discuss how to invest in any investment climate. Our number one goal is to help you think about investing in a different way, a more straightforward way, without all the fluff and sales tactics of the Wall Street culture. Listen in as we share stories and insights on how to offer a truly unique approach to investing. Now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Investing Evolution Podcast with myself, Vince Esposito, and my business partner, Rob Isbitz. Howdy. Thank you so much for joining us. So today we're going to talk about ETFs and we're going to talk about what are they and why should you care? So Vince, I think, I think that if we want to try to explain what an ETF is, we have to go back to really kind of its predecessors, some very quick and hopefully painless history uh, for our listeners. Okay. So I think if you spoke with most investors, even if they'd done a little bit of investing for a 1K plan, 529 for the college savings, what have you, they probably have at least heard of a mutual fund. And so, yeah, I mean, a mutual, you know, you put your your money in, uh, someone manages it. Uh, There's a wide variety of styles. I think there are more mutual funds than there are stocks in the stock exchange now, which is a whole nother issue, (laughs) I guess, for our industry, but it doesn't seem to be going away. You know, mutual funds have been around for almost 100 years. I think 1924, the first one started. So it's been out there for a while. And people kind of know what a mutual fund is. You pull your money in with other people. That's why I call it mutual. It's a fund. And so that's a mutual fund. There's also something that's been around for quite a while called a closed-end fund. And a closed-end fund also is a basket, if you will, of securities. And typically, it's a fixed basket, but it can also be managed by a manager. They come in both varieties. The difference is that it trades on the stock exchange, whereas a mutual fund, you buy shares from the fund company, and the closed-end fund is on the stock exchange, so you can see the price of it all through the day. A mutual fund's only priced once a day at the end of the day. So to me, what is an ETF? If a mutual fund and a closed-end fund had a baby, that's pretty much what an (laughs) ETF is at a very, very high level. Okay. Characteristics (laughs) of both. An ETF is a fund like a mutual fund, Okay. And I think technically the regulators consider it like a mutual fund, open-end fund. I think you're right. But it trades on stock exchange. And so you can see the price of it every day. In fact, unlike a mutual fund, and we know this from you know, having run mutual funds during our careers, uh, so we've been on both sides of it, if you will, that a mutual fund cannot disclose its holdings but for, you know, on a lag, typically a few weeks, uh, six weeks. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember exactly, yeah, but uh, yeah, there's a lag. A lag, Rob. 
45 days. Yep. Okay. So about six weeks. Yeah. So, and, and I think similar for closed end fund, but with an ETF, it's basically like a day lag. You pretty much know it's in it all the time. So it, it, it brings a lot of transparency to the idea of investing your money in a fund. So I wanted to get that out of the way so people know what it is we are talking about. And now we can spend the rest of the time uh, having some exchange traded fun. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, let, let's do it. I, I think one one other uh, interesting fact about ETFs versus mutual funds is uh, not only do they trade uh, on the exchange, but I think to make the distinction of what that means for folks is that y- you can trade them throughout the day. And that's what I think what's what's also helped them you know rise so so quickly in popularity. Now we're we're investors, right? We're not traders. It's not our gig. So we, we don't we don't day trade our our accounts. However, there there's tons and tons of firms out there, including these uh, high frequency traders or the machines, if you will, and they're out there trading these things every day, all day, many many times a day. Yes, and so that is certainly one part of the market for companies that have been creating ETFs in, in massive amounts. In fact, I, I looked uh, the other day at last count, I believe it's about 2,300 ETFs now available. Uh, and that is up, I think, uh, something like 50% in count from three years ago. The very first right. one was issued back in 1993, I believe. Uh, it tracked the S&P 500. But what's really interesting to me, and I know just reading your mind, because we know each other so well, uh, that, that, and vice versa, that we are going to make sure we cover on this podcast uh, that ETFs are very well known in some corners of the investment world. And they're virtually unknown in others. And they're, at least to us, there is a coming wave, not of necessarily more ETF products or strategies or slices, but in the increased use of them. And so part of what we want to explain today is how we use them in portfolios, because I do believe that it is distinctly different from how 90 nine percent of our industry is using them but I, I imagine we'll get to that in a little while yeah I definitely want to get to that Rob so I, I want folks to know that there's you know there's absolutely so many different products out there and so many different ways to use them uh, I'd like to touch on that so people can just have have an idea of how uh, of how we do it one other thing I want to get to before we move forward here is that because of our nature if you will like being it, at our core we're, I would describe us as prudent investors, right? We're, 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 not at, we're not gunslingers. We're not day traders. So we don't take huge risks with our clients' money. And I would, I would say ETFs in general, most of them are, you know, are really, really good and they, and they pretty much own and do what they say they're going to do. But one thing I would caution folks on is to make sure that they stay away from these highly leveraged ETFs. Absolutely. And why is that? They're so dangerous, Rob. And, and, you know, we've talked about this before and I won't get on my soapbox and get into crazy detail, but, 
there's there's these ETFs that they move, they call them two times you know, an index or three times an index or, you know, multiple times, let's say, uh, a commodity like nat gas. And I actually have a, uh, a nickname for these. I call them weapons of financial mass destruction. Yeah. Because absolutely. that's what they do. And, and almost every almost every investment calamity going back to the 90s when ETFs were sort of a nascent industry, every financial calamity has something to do with somebody using more leverage than they should have. And so the yeah. fact that these tools are so easily in the hands of investors who may not know how to use them, and I'm yeah. not talking about the do-it-yourself investor, the retail investor, because the amount of money they're likely investing isn't maybe enough to move the needle and cause a crisis. But we just had an, an episode, I think about a year ago, with the volatility-based ETFs. Whenever you try to take a small amount of money and turn into a lot of money through leverage, uh, it's, it's kind of like going for surgery with somebody that says, yeah, you know, I read a little bit. Yeah, I'm okay at this. Yes. <laughs> no, I mean, absolutely. Look, leverage can be really, really good, right? Folks who invest in real estate, they they, they love to talk about how leverage is uh, enhances returns and, and helps with cash flows and all that. And, and that's wonderful, but it cuts both ways. And what's dangerous about these leverage ETFs, and then we'll move on. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be the dead horse here, but what's dangerous about them is it, they're made to be traded throughout the day and and not held for even a week. So they'll track they'll track whatever they're tracking two or three times for the day very well. But if you look out even a week or a couple of weeks, you may buy one of these leverage ETFs in hopes that whatever whatever it owns is going to go up. And just I'm not I'm not recommending this, but let's just say it's natural gas. And it's a two-time long natural gas ETF. Well, you can buy it this week and natural gas can be really volatile over the next couple of weeks. But but at the end of the day, it's priced higher than it was when you bought it. So you would think, oh my gosh, I made, I made a ton of money. And you can actually lose money. So you can get the direction right in one of these leverage ETFs and still lose money. And, and the reason the reason for that is because at the end of the day, any investment, whether it's real estate, commodities, gold, securities, they're worth what someone will pay for it, right? And if if conditions other than fundamental valuation type conditions get in the way, then anything's value can be messed up and messed up pretty badly. Uh, and you get dislocations. In fact, you know, I, I mentioned uh, mutual funds and closed end funds before. This has always been the knock on closed end funds. And frankly, I don't know if we would have even had ETFs uh, for the last 25 some odd years if closed end funds didn't have this habit of you buy $100 worth of something and it ends up trading at a discount. In other words, the portfolio itself that the, the closed-end fund has, it might be worth $100 in, in real money, but the price of the security is trading for less. So you're actually buying, uh, you know, it, it sounds great to buy, you know, $100 worth of something for $0.90, cents, 
but what happens is these discounts to to the net asset value, as they call it, they persist not just for days, weeks, for years, yeah. and and uh, yeah, that has made, I guess, the closed end fund somewhat of an imperfect vehicle. And I think these days they're mostly you know, issued by brokerage firms uh, as sort of IPO type material, and and you know we have clearly seen that unlevered ETFs. Uh, are becoming a much bigger slice of the pie. And we do believe they're going to move uh, uh, higher, which is why this is the first and probably not the last time we'll talk about them on the Investing Evolution podcast. Yeah, yeah, that, absolutely, Rob. And, I, and while you open the door for me to rail on brokerage firms, I'm just going to really quickly go ahead and do that. <laughs> just because I, I like to do it so much. You're going one way and then uh, yeah. you're still going to go that way. Okay, good. Just really quick. Just re- and then I want to get into some really fun stuff about about how we use ETFs and, and how we, we think about it and how folks can, can so possibly you fin- use it. So you finish setting the table here, and right? And then we'll, then we'll hammer yeah. away at the, uh, the good stuff. Yeah, but, but in any event, uh, if, if, you're, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're um, – looking for an advisor or, or thinking of working with an advisory firm, one thing that you'll notice is that fiduciaries like our firm and any other registered investment advisory firm in the country, we don't sell those types of products, closed-end funds you know, with, with, with huge fees. and We're really selling anything. We, we don't sell anything, right? So that, that's, that's one thing I would, I would caution you when you're, if you're talking with someone at a brokerage firm about, about managing your assets. I, I would, I would ask a lot of questions around anything to do with closed end funds or, or offerings such as those. Have you ever seen them in a portfolio? Oh, I've seen them. Yeah. yeah. What, uh, what are any patterns that you've seen to how the closed end funds are used in people's portfolios, uh, particularly the brokerage firms that maybe issued the IPO that was the closed end fund. Yeah, I, I, a lot of times I see them. Uh, they were they were bought at the IPO price, and then you know a commission came out, and then a lot of times they they end up at the end of the day not making money for anyone but the broker and the brokerage firm. Uh, one thing about closed end funds, I will say, and one of the reasons they behave a little wacky sometimes, uh, a lot of them are used and sort of pitched to the investor as, hey, uh, why get 3% dividends on your stocks? This thing can get you 8 or 10. Or why settle for, you know, you can buy a high yield uh, uh, ETF or mutual fund and maybe it'll yield 5 or 6%. But this closed end one, uh, this thing's yielding 13, 14, 15%. Now, now the reason for that, because, uh, look, there's no free lunch. And this is what we call reaching for yield, and it's very dangerous, especially this late in uh, the credit cycles, we would say. And, of course, we know how a you can go into something like the high-yield market, which is maybe yielding 5%, 6% with some, some risk attached, lower-quality bonds, and get double the yield. And the reason is... Add a little leverage and everything's beautiful. There you go. So, so we've come, we've come full yeah, circle. We're, we're back. Yeah. So anyways, um, if, if you see any of that stuff, 
and you have questions and, and you're out there, you, you, you know where to find us. We're happy to help guide you in the right direction. Uh, can I say one other thing quickly on ETFs before we uh, roll, roll into uh, the rest of this? Sure. Uh, I, I think what's going to happen, and, and I guess in the, in the chair I sit in for Sun Garden, I, I try to look at the investment markets and how investors are using different types of vehicles. We see this shift from mutual funds to ETFs. We're certainly not the only ones who see it, but it's not just a matter of, oh, buy an ETF find the one with the lowest uh, cost or expense ratio and just use it to track an index. Uh, you know, at SunGarden, we really do think that there's more to it and that we view these things as baskets that can be analyzed themselves. And we do a lot of research on them. And I, I think one thing we're particularly proud of is that, uh, I mean, in addition to the, the Forbes.com uh, column that I put together a couple times a week, there is another piece of writing that we do once a month, and that is for something called thestreet.com. But it is specifically a combination of the investment climate report, which was the overview that we've been sending to clients for, for years on the broad markets and how we're positioned, things like that. But then there's something else which we affectionately call the crunch, which is a list of about 100 ETFs that our team has tracked for several years, which is essentially cover a world full of different types of market segments and they're divided into 10 major segments. And we put this out every month. Uh, it, we didn't just start doing this. Uh, yeah, we were doing it internally, but uh, this you know, fairly well-known publication, Jim Cramer said of the street.com uh, did tap us to produce this uh, uh, report every month. And, and actually, uh, yesterday, I, I did my first podcast with them. So, I, look, there's a lot of people who know a lot about ETFs, but it's also something to get recognized that you at least know them well enough to be able to talk to other people about them and put them in print in, in, you know, in an online media. And I think that, that uh, definitely this is something about how important we think these vehicles are for tracking markets and as a surrogate for maybe other types of investing. Now back to the show. Sure. Yeah, no, all great points, Rob. I mean, it's, it's so refreshing to have all these wonderful tools in our toolbox to build portfolios for our clients. Right. I mean, think back to when, when you and I got back, got in the business back in, in the stone ages, you know, the, there was no way we could, do what we do today. The, the tools just were not out there. Now, the closest thing you came to uh, to what we have in ETFs now is mutual funds, but yeah. they didn't quite go as far. I mean, back uh, probably 15 years ago, uh, I was designing portfolios, not too differently than we do today, but the main vehicle was mutual funds and maybe some stocks and a little bit of ETFs. But there weren't that many ETFs. And, you know, now uh, there's, you know, there's, there's good, bad and ugly, like with every investment vehicle. But uh, again, it's like anything else uh, in the right hands, if you know how to use them, uh, both for long term and tactical purposes, and you avoid things like uh, crazy leverage and looking for the lowest cost as opposed to a reasonable underlying cost to them, uh, then, you know, you have the makings of something that can help with strategy. Thank you so much for listening to part one of our ETF podcast. I encourage you to please stay tuned for part two, where Rob and I are going to dive a little bit deeper into some of these ETFs and, and how we use them in our strategy here at SunGarden. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Investing Evolution podcast. 
Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz are investment advisor representatives with Dynamic Wealth Advisors, DBA Sungarden Investment Research. All investment advisory services are offered through Dynamic Wealth Advisors. The material in this podcast has been distributed for informational purposes only. The material contained in this podcast is not a solicitation to purchase or sell any security or offer any investment advice. No part of this podcast may be reproduced in any form or referred to in any other publication without expressed written permission. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. Vince Esposito and Rob Isbitz are also the sub-advisors of the Dunham Alternative Dividend Fund. Investors should consider the investment objectives, risk factors, charges, and expenses of the Dunham Alternative Dividend Fund carefully before investing. This and other important information is contained within the fund's prospectus, which may be obtained by contacting your financial advisor or by calling toll-free 800-442-4358. Please read prospectus materials carefully before investing.